A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Your Book, the podcast for literary nosy parkers. I'm your book inspector, Daisy Buchanan. I'm the author of Careering, a romantic comedy starring work as the love interest who keeps breaking your heart, as well as Insatiable and the non-fiction books The Sisterhood and How to Be a Grown-Up. In January, I'm teaching a creative writing course, Write Like a Reader, and there are a handful of places left. Over five weekly sessions on Zoom, I'll be sharing everything I've learned about plot, pacing, character development and more. And most of all, giving you the confidence, encouragement and self-belief to get the book that's in your head onto the page. 2023 is going to be the year you write your novel and I'm going to help. You can find the details in the Your Book newsletter, Further Reading. That's furtherreading.substack.com. Now, on to today's guest. I've loved AJ Pierce's writing for a long time, and I've been trying to lure her to the podcast for a while. AJ writes best-selling books about Emmy Lake and her friends and family, including Dear Mrs. Bird and Yours Cheerfully. Her superfans include Marion Keys and Bonnie Garmus, as well as me. We talked about cheerful books, reading for research, and our Persephone obsession. We also talk a bit about AJ's new book, which is going to be fully announced with a cover reveal on Friday the 2nd of December. Follow Picador Books and AJ Pierce writes on Twitter and you'll be the first to find out about it. Hope you enjoy the episode. So I'd love to start by asking you about any fiction that you've read for your research and any books that you've really loved about, you know, the wartime and the period in which you're writing. Crikey, there are so many. I, I just, my house now looks like a, a one of those people in a documentary who never throws anything away. I, I've got so many books about the war, and and each time I think of a new theme or area to write about, I get hold of as many of the books as I I possibly can. So in yours, cheerfully, for example, um, it's about women war workers. So. I, I just sat with a bibliography uh, in other books and, and looked at the sorts of books that, reference books that might be helpful. And so I have tons of them. And the, the other thing I try to do is to read books that were written at the time. So I have books giving advice on what it's like to go work in a factory and um, leaving home for the first time to be a war worker uh, and through to keeping pigs in wartime. So I have lots of 
of books, far more than I, I need. I've, I've just bought a, a completely unnecessary huge book about dogs written in the 30s. I mean, I have two. There's, I really don't need to <laughs> read up about them. But I, I really love reading books that I think my characters would have read as much as anything so I can try and get into their world. Well, I was just thinking about um, Emmy, uh, your character, who's in um, Dim's Bird and yours cheerfully because she is a journalist and she's so curious and in a really, truly delightful way, nosy. She wants to know everything. So I feel like this is exactly what Emmy would be doing. She'd be <laughs> reading as widely as possible. And I think shortly after I read um, yours cheerfully about working in factories and war work, I read and I don't think I'd read before the diary of a provincial lady that's set in wartime where she's desperately trying to get a job and everyone she speaks to says do you know of any war work and there just isn't any and it was a really nice companion piece oh wow well that's that's a lovely thing to hear that it, that's such a such a classic isn't it it's uh, I, I love how so many of us are very fond of books that were written 80 years ago uh, and certainly I I most of the books that I buy were written in the 30s and 40s. And so, for example, D.E. Stevenson, who I'm a huge, huge fan of, her Mrs. Tim books, the, the, the Mrs. Tim one that is set in the war, that was so interesting because they're light and they're funny and they're jolly, but you're, you still have this undercurrent of all, of all the awful things that are going on. And so I find find that very important. This is very exciting because I know nothing about D.E. Stevenson. Please tell me everything. How did you find her? Um, is she still in print? Where should we start? She is still in print and um, increasingly so. I mean, I think thanks to, to companies like Persephone and Dean Street Press um, and so many others bringing back books, loads of books written by women in the mid 20th century, it means that it's far easier to get hold of of their work and I think I think I started off with Miss, Miss Bunkle's book which is Dee Stevenson's one of her most favourite ones which is about a a single woman living in a village who who writes a, a book set in a village and everyone thinks it's about them and it's really witty and really funny and there's a the follow-up to that is Miss Bunkle um, Miss Bunkle gets married or Miss Bunkle's married and she's She's funny and witty and and light. I, I think I think the Times. One of the quotes on one of her books that I have is the, the sort of the the queen of of light comedy. And I'm really interested in in lightness because so often it's sort of people can be a bit sniffy about it, can't they? And I think. That, this is probably because I write what people would call light books. <laughs> so maybe this is just me justifying what I do. But I I love books that are, I would say, accessible or easy to read, but they still can make you laugh and they can move you at the same time. So Dee Stevenson, she wrote, gosh, I think 40 books, some of straightforward romances and others um, like Miss Bunkler are wittier and then the, the Mrs Tim books are the first one uh, was I think called Mrs Tim of the Regiment written in the early 30s and it's about Mrs Christie who is married to a young officer and it's sort of a bit of her diary and it's tongue-in-cheek and self-deprecating as most of Stevenson's books are and the one set in the war is again fun 
and makes you smile. But then there are these little moments where you are really very much reminded that it's a desperately frightening time. And uh, and I, I love that. I like to be entertained and then every now and then take a beat to to think about something. I am tingling all over because I think this is going straight on my pile. <laughs> this sounds like exactly what I want to read. And I absolutely agree with you about lightness. And I think lightness is underrated because, as you know, it takes you know a lot of talent and a lot of work to write something that people want to read and the world people want to immerse themselves into. And I'm told this story many times on the podcast about the holiday when I read James's Bird and we were all reading James's Bird. And I think a few of us, we all had copies that we were saving and we thought, right, to save on luggage, we're going to make sure the joy of going away with a load of readers, we're not going to duplicate our books um, for luggage reasons. So the one, we all had all our copies at home, but one copy was circulating. And every day you just hear someone go, (laughs) and they'd be like sobbing and mopping their eyes with their beach towel because we'd all got to that very very sad point in dear mrs bird oh, which <laughs> no 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 it's entirely necessary and a reminder of how how brave and courageous you know emmy is and her friends and family are and it wouldn't be right to have a book about that time without that happening but it was all a sort of um i don't know a little bit like we were in um Crete, but I imagine in the way that sort of if you're staying in maybe somewhere like Morocco and at regular intervals you hear like the call to prayer, you would just hear the sort of <laughs> sobbing in this world. You're like, oh, I know where they <laughs> yes. are. And we, you'd either think, oh, I've read that, I know exactly, or you think, oh, that's coming for me tomorrow, isn't it? The beach towel week. <laughs> beach towel week. Can I put that on the front of the book? Because that's the best recommendation ever. It's a beach towel week. I would be honoured and delighted. <laughs> you. No, I would. It, it, yes, it is. I think I, I, I'm quite influenced by, by writers who do that. And um, have you read Joyce Dennis's Henrietta's War? No. That's another one. I think it's still in print. Joyce Dennis was a, a an illustrator, and also, um, I think she, I think Henrietta's War was based on columns she wrote during the war, and it's a very, very light-hearted um, book based on her letters to an imaginary childhood friend, and she's a GP's wife. And again, it's massively self-deprecating and very funny and all full of very jolly village characters who are always, they're putting on shows or doing fundraising for various things. And and there are evacuees who come to stay and people fighting to get their own evacuee and all this sort of stuff. And and I, she also wrote another one called Henrietta Sees It Through. And they're really, really funny, but there's one sort of a page about two thirds of the way through Henrietta sees it through where um, the admiral who lives in the village and his wife Mrs Admiral Alice is her name they just uh, Joyce Dennis drops into the the book that their son has been killed in France and it's absolutely it just broadsides you because it's been such fun and so light and frivolous until then and then suddenly you're in the middle of a scene with Henrietta and Alice in Alice's kitchen and she's frying fish and trying to keep going and being ever so terribly British, saying she's not going to pull out of the afternoon's bowls competition, I think it is, because she doesn't want to let down her partner. Um, So she's not telling, they don't tell anyone that her son has been lost. And 
then, as if that isn't sad enough, when Henrietta says, oh, he was such a lovely little boy, and there's this amazing line in it where the, the other character says, yes, they both were, and I think that's why it's so hard that we've lost them both. Oh. And, oh, my word, it's it just pulls the rug away from you as a reader, and then the next scene, they're, they're back being daft and silly, and... I think that was one of those moments when I read that. I just thought, wow, this is a whole world of books that make me laugh and cheer me up, but then absolutely push you over. Oh, listeners, let it be known that AJ Pierce has just made me weep over a book I haven't even read yet. (laughs) But it's, I do, when you were saying about our interest in, in that period and that fascination and that appeal, and I think... I think that's been perennial. I think we've always been so curious about what we enjoyed. And I think there are so many kind of myths about that time. And especially people of a certain age and position who weren't around in the war, who were like, well, people should be more like they were in the war. But what you show so beautifully through Emmy is that people were struggling enormously sort of you know psychologically and with their their mental health and it no one was sort of having a stiff upper lip out of anything but necessity but I wonder if especially over the last two years and this very very strange thing we have been through together which it has been like a war in lots of ways and wholly unlike a war in other ways and we're also so aware of this desperate heartbreaking war in Ukraine at the moment and it is strangely maybe fortifying rather than comforting to know in lots of ways humans don't change that much and situations don't change that much. And it's so easy to think, oh, everything's getting so much worse, but actually we do keep cycling through the same. Gosh, that's so well put. I agree. I think every every generation thinks that its young people are, you know, the, the limit, as they would have said in the old days, and everyone <laughs> thinks, crikey, is this it? Uh, and but we uh, we I don't think we do change very much yes people probably did have to have a bit more of a stiff upper lip back in the day but we we're still all I don't think humans change that fast do they it takes hundreds of thousands of years for I'm trying to sound as if I understand about (laughs) about how humans were invented um might be out of my depth depth at this bit but you know we can't change that much in 80 years I think you know, people still loved and and wanted to laugh and wanted to make the best of things and still had to put up with awful loss and and tragedy and and in the people keep going now as they did then. I don't think we're we're that different in in many respects. And that was the thing that really leapt at me. Uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know, Dear Mrs. Bird is is based in a magazine in in the during the war, a women's magazine, and I I collect those magazines. And the more I read, the more I think that the, the problems haven't changed. There were ones that are very specifically can only be in a time of conflict, but the others are are exactly the same problems we have now for you know, love and family and and work and falling for the wrong person or them not falling for us and we're still the same people it's just 80 years later I just read I'm so late to the Rosamund Lehman party and I don't know if you have any authors in your life like this where you're like I don't understand why I wasn't reading 
this writer when I was sort of, you know, 12, 13, 14, because it feels that formative and it makes me feel like a teenager and that impressionable and excited. And I read Invitation to the Waltz and then I read um, The Weather in the Streets, which I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that The Weather in the Streets is about infidelity and um, it's about the heroine having an affair and it's such a thoughtful book and it feels so fresh and complicated and bold still to have a a hugely likable, lovable heroine. And it sounds really simplistic to say likable and lovable, but I think she is. I think Olivia Curtis absolutely is. And making us understand why she do something that all of us would kind of say in passing, like, well, I'd never do that. I'd never do such a terrible thing. But yet how moved I was at the sort of the the moral subtlety of it I suppose I've been reading a lot of Dorothy Whipple at the moment not a lot a couple of things but I love her and I love how she is in a way so moral and old-fashioned but it's it's not good people being good it's good people being challenged and being weak as humans are weak and then dealing with consequences that's so interesting isn't it because good people being good is a bit boring and bad people being bad is a bit boring mainly I think because people aren't generally all bad apart from the occasional ones we see in the news but we tried to steer clear of that sort of conversation but um <laughs> that's unpleasantness I'm not going there um but yes it is a weakness is so interesting isn't it because we're all weak I don't care how how much people put up a a, a front we're all we all have our weaknesses and that's what makes people interesting you know that even if we and being taken by surprise by weakness I think is quite good as well Mm. where you you think you're going to be fine and then you go oh crikey I'm really rubbish at this and I think and books that can do that I think are amazing equally books who take people that you think aren't going to be brave at all and then they come through I think that's that's really interesting as well. And and that's what I like about books written in the 40s, that they're normal people in extraordinary situations. Um, I, I like Angela Thurkel a lot um, with her books. I don't know if you read those, but they're good fun. And they're lighter than light and the social comedies. She wrote tons of them. And not all of them are amazing, but some. I, I was lucky that the first one I picked up, totally on the title, which it says when war breaks out and it's called cheerfulness breaks in and it's great i love that so much because it had um cheerful in the title was that when you were writing um yours cheerfully (laughs) did it feel like a sign because sometimes i think (laughs) these things do you know you keep there's mentionitis and you keep spotting and it feels as though someone somewhere is telling you i know i always get worried that it's just going to look as if i'm ripping all these 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 people off because I just think cheerful is a really good word and um ages ago I had a blog which nobody read at all called where things are mostly cheerful it was before I was writing tried to write a novel but I just started writing you know as everyone does or did back in the day started writing a blog about just normal things and then slowly it turned into um, an imaginary world of people who were all a bit sort of stiff upper lip and all that kind of thing. And then I stopped it because I realised that I was the only person, <laughs> all the visits were me. So I stopped that. But I just really like the word cheerful. And so when I saw a book called Cheerfulness Breaks In, I 
I, I read it and it, it, it's got a really clever device in it where they, and I think this was used a lot at the time, where everything about the war is, is played down. Um, so it's a spot of bother and a slight hoo-ha and all that sort of thing. And then the most mundane things are absolutely amplified and everyone gets hysterical over somebody losing a banjo or whatever it is. And um, and I like all that turnaround type stuff. Yeah, I think I get drawn to that with 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 books. It's like one of my favourite books is um, A Man Called Ove, which is just so wonderful. The Frederick Batman mega I've hit. never read that. I love it. It's so well constructed as well. It's one of those books that you read and go, oh, I will never be good enough to write this, <laughs> anything like this. But it's about a grumpy old man who lives in a, in a town and he's just lost his wife and he's very grumpy and doesn't want to know anyone. And it's how I won't, I won't spoil it because it's such a perfect book, but it's how... How he becomes less grumpy is probably the best way to put it. Ooh. Doesn't sound like a zinger, does it, when you say it's a book about a man who becomes less grumpy, but it's one of the most perfect books I think I've ever read. As a reader, to be honest, for me, the less pluck, the better. And it sounds a tiny bit as though we might be in Olive Kitteridge country, but I do think that Elizabeth Strout, even though it's sort of a different place and a different time, I can see her in that tradition of being the tiny, tiny things really, really well observed. And she is seeing the details of enormous tragedies, but also very commonplace human tragedies. And I suppose perhaps that's what I meant about that we don't really change that much, is we keep hoping against all odds that things are going to get a bit better, and that's what motivates us. And yet we're surprised that we do prevail when things seem to be getting steadily worse. (laughs) Yes, I think that's quite a British thing, isn't it, to... Um, to to you to be horribly generalistic, but the the kind of always surprised when things turn out all right. Mm. <laughs> well, that's that went well with a slight kind of really. <laughs> I like that. I often think as like post pandemic and as I get older with trips and holidays. Not that I've been on a lot, but um, I've just come back from Chez Castillon oh, in France, where we yeah. have both been, but sadly not at the same time. And the sort of, you know, the post-holiday blues, and it was, you know, it was really, really warm, and I had a gorgeous time, and, you know, Mickey and Janie are wonderful, and I saw the brilliant writer Joe Thomas and um, and Booth oh, wow. and lots of writing pals. But also, I was so pessimistic about the getting to the airport on time <sighs> and the plane being all right and getting out of the airport okay, and all of that really being fine that was as much of a a holiday as the trip itself (laughs) I felt really optimistic and rejuvenated and cheerful um about that all going yes I I agree it's if you get a if you go on holiday and you get a parking space at the airport near where the bus stops that's uh, hurrah your holiday started a good 12 hours (laughs) earlier than it should I agree but you mentioned Joe Thomas who and I'm for full transparency is is a mate of mine as well um her books are lovely aren't they they're like a holiday without all the bother because you just yes. she writes and how clever because her research doesn't involve fausty old books her research involves going off to europe to <laughs> to research italy <laughs> Going off to Europe and eating really, really delicious things. I'm just going to Google, because I know that her new book, which I've not read yet, but I will, and I'm really excited about it. I think it's 
Christmas. Yes, she's done another Christmas one. And I haven't read it yet either because I'm in the middle of edits and I'm not really allowed to read anything else because I'll, I'll either lose the voice. This is always my fear. Do you get this? When you're writing, when, if you read novels, the fear is that you'll pick up someone else's voice. And I'm always worried that I'll essentially cheerful books will will turn into a slasher movie if I'm reading the wrong thing. Or if I read other books, I just want to stop writing because I sit there and think this author is so good and their descriptions are so wonderful or this plot is so epic. I'm rubbish. I'm never going to write another word. I'm going to give up. <laughs> Do you ever get that? I know exactly oh, what you mean. So Jay Thomas's new book is called Keeping That's Christmas it. Promise. It's set in Iceland and I think it's going to be festive and gorgeous. But that's really, really difficult. And I imagine for you, I'm assuming it's your, the book you're working on at the moment. Is this another Emmy book? Are we in the state? You've not gone sci-fi. <laughs> no, I've not gone sci-fi. Although I did say to someone, one of the real top chiefs at Picador, who I was at a thing at, when I'd just written... Dear Mrs. Bird was just coming out and I was really, uh, and still am, so thrilled to be being published. And I got overexcited and said to one of the top bosses, never mind, if this doesn't sell, I'll change the other one and set it on the moon. And (laughs) 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 he just looked at me in a kind of a headmasterly, not unkind, but I don't think so (laughs) way. Um, So I wouldn't rule it out. But um, yes, I'm just finishing off the third one. Are you allowed to tell us anything about the new book? Well, I I don't know, but I'm going to. So, um, <laughs> yes, the third book, um, the one I'm working on at the moment, is the third in the series um, of the, the Emmy Lake Chronicles. And um, uh, it is called Mrs Porter Calling. Um, Mrs Porter is the new baddie. And it's set in 1943, about just over a year after the second book in the series, Yours Cheerfully. And... This is the gang are back with some new characters as well. And they now have a big challenge of actually having to save the magazine itself. Woman's Friend comes under enormous threat. So they all have to band together to to try and save it And uh, when things go wrong. And it's got a really horrible new baddie who is delightful and gorgeous and wonderful until she isn't. I bet she was or is brilliant fun to write. She has been good fun actually. She's um I know no one can see this listening but I'm showing you on Zoom. This is her. So she is um oh. she's a very beautiful monster. Because the book is set in 43, I was I was reading at some point about you know the bright young things of the 20s and they always seem so glamorous and amazing and all these beautiful men and women sitting around being part of a set who talk about books or or get incredibly drunk or do the have these parties where they all dress as 18th century aristocrats and all that sort of stuff and i thought to myself what would it be like if you were the sort of character who either wasn't quite part of that but would have liked to be or it's 20 years later and actually everyone from that era has either died of substance abuse or gone on to grow up and crack on with things. What about if you weren't one of the sort of the, the victims of that era and you weren't one of the successes of that era? You were just very rich 
and very spoilt and looking for something to do. And so that's where the baddie has come from. And so she's, she arrives and makes quite a stir at the, the magazine. She sounds fantastic. <laughs> and I love that in a character and that kind of the slightly sort of venal, we insecure with something to prove. And yet neither one thing nor the other, someone where, you know, it's not a tragedy and not a success. Life has sort of passed her by and she feels like she's owed something. Yes. Oh, she sounds brilliant. It reminds me a tiny bit of, there's a book I love and he's a little bit controversial and, um, I'm not always sure about everything he does, but I love this so much. A Past Imperfect by Julian Fellows, mm. told by a young man who's really on the fringes and edges of the Deb scene. It's about the last set of people who are brought out. And again, you know, some, they, they're all, their expectations of what, how their futures will glitter. There's so much there. And then everything becomes a bit faded and a bit sad. And there are a couple of tragedies and quite, you know, glamorous, dramatic things, but also quite a lot of people are just missed out. That sounds brilliant. I must look, I must get that. I think it is that thing, isn't it, that when we look back at eras, it's so easy to, to make a generalisation that everyone was amazing, everyone was interesting or beautiful or remarkable or tragic or heroic. And actually... As we were saying earlier, you know, no, people are just normal mostly, and and I do think also that that era, the privilege part of it is really interesting as well. That actually, you could waft around at parties having big thoughts if you weren't mm. working twelve hours a day. And um, I, I, in fact, in terms of Julian Fellows and thinking of Downton. Uh, uh, friend of mine and I, we, took an, we had an American friend visiting. So we went off to where Downton is filmed and it was brilliant and really exciting because I love Downton. So we were looking around and uh, the rooms at the top of the house and, and oh, this is where Lady Mary did so-and-so. And it was brilliant fun. But then as we started going downstairs, <laughs> my mate Nikki turned to me and she went, this is where we'd have been. <laughs> and <laughs> we just went, yeah. <laughs> totally that was that's where we come from you know it's kind of there was no wafting um in in my background it was people grafting away or or trying to make a a living somehow or another and so I I don't think there are any bright young things in in my ancestry there's a little bit of luck in getting to be fabulous isn't there there's in fact there's a massive amount of luck absolutely and that those are the stories that get recorded and remembered because if you have the time and privilege to waft you can make a record and write stuff down and I think that's why you know to to blow some smoke up your ass what I think (laughs) you know why I love your book so much is because Emmy and her friends and people in her world sure there is a certain amount of privilege there but there's also these are fairly ordinary people who do want to do things and who do want to kind of make a mark and that sort of imagining the stories. I mean, obviously, Emmy would have written because she is a writer <laughs> and that's her job. But making sure that all of those stories and all of those lives are remembered. I loved High Wages by Dorothy Whipple because it's about a girl who works in a shop. Yes. I was really, really surprised by how fresh it felt and how modern it felt and the things that happened to Jane and Jane's ambition. And because I'm always really shocked when I think about the conversations we have about work and ambition and careers and what we do and how we feel about it and how women have not been doing it for mm. long in the 
grand scheme of capitalism and commerce. Perhaps one of the reasons why high wages felt so unusual was how many books have I read about women in the 30s who work in a shop and not to give away too much, but, you know, end up doing that very, very successfully to have a, I suppose, a woman who becomes a self-made woman. Um, It was really exciting to read. And although there, you know, there are romances and there are sort of, you know, emotional parts of that that really, really sing, I'm much more interested in Jane's career than in her sort of, her personal life. Yes. I, I think that's such an interesting thing of books that were written way back when that that plot wasn't the driver in in so so many of the books that very little happens in many books written at that point but they're no less fascinating for it and they're no less entertaining I think we're more we're more perhaps plot driven now than we than we used to be and so Mm. there are there are books that I love where nothing much really happens um but the character it's so character-led and the relationships become so interesting that you're you're really gripped as it is. Um, but the the point about women getting to actually do anything is such a good one because you're right. It's only been the last hundred years or so that we've got to do anything terribly exciting without absolutely, you know, either being extremely privileged to start with or or being very very determined and probably pretty lucky as well it's so true where of course all the books that starred women were romances because the most exciting thing that could happen was you know yeah. meeting a husband who was both wealthy and lovable and loved you back that was all we could dream Indeed, about or even if he wasn't very nice it was better than nothing mm. which is just such a horrific that's Jane Eyre isn't it <laughs> yeah all the stuff when you go back and go really he's awful kind of thing what a terrible attitude I mean forgive me I know there's a lot more to Jane than that (laughs) yes of course even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss we'll be back to aj soon but now it's time for my steal of the week i've chosen the unexpected joy of the ordinary by Catherine gray i have loved Catherine's memoirs about alcohol and sobriety but this is the one i keep returning to it's part memoir and part self-help book and i really adore Catherine's voice 
This year has been a struggle. I think that might be true for all of us. And this book has helped me to understand so much about reframing my understanding of the way I live, seeing and celebrating tiny miracles and making peace with my insecurities, anxiety and expectations. The Unexpected Joy of the Ordinary is published by Octopus and out now. Now back to AJ. Before I forget, I really would love to ask you about the first books that really, really spoke to you. For me, the books when I was little, there were two distinct sorts of books. There were, and the main ones for me were horse and pony books because I was um I was mad about horses and I got to go to the riding school twice a month. But I there was I knew there was no way I was ever going to have my own pony as a kid. And but the way that I managed to have my own pony was to read books by Ruby Ferguson and the Pauline Thompson sisters and books like um, Ferguson's Jill's Gymkhana, which was just, I don't know if you were into pony books. I was not a pony girl, but I loved Jill's Gymkhana. I think my aunt had an yes. old copy that I found. Um, I think Sarah Manning said on this podcast that those books are so magical because they were all written for girls who didn't yes. have their own pony. That the true, really, really, really horsey girls weren't reading. They were at the stables at <laughs> yeah. four in the morning, mucking out. And I, I think that's possibly why I love Jilly Cooper as well. It's all the fun of the horse. Without, <laughs> I'm actually quite scared of horses close up. Yes. Oh, the Jilly Cooper books. I mean, everybody went through the sort of, started off with, the Imogen and Octavia type books and which I read when I was a teenager and that was a world that was not my world but one that sounded so exciting you know I lived in a provincial town and these young women were glamorously living in London and they had their own flat and a job which seemed just so exciting and thrilling and then obviously going on to Jilly Cooper's Riders etc that was just <laughs> that was a whole other world. world although I do think anyone who's not read them there are a couple of those romances like I think is it Octavia where it's like the big the glamorous family firm and they're all quite corrupt and there's the there's sort of Octavia's kind of awful and it's how she learns to stand on her own two feet and redeem herself but Imogen which is my favourite she is in a little provincial town somewhere in Yorkshire and she works in a library and she dreams and she feels in that it's sort of that awful Jilly Cooper thing where like oh she felt like she was really fat because um she was the only one who didn't weigh four stone yes. or some yes, sort of there impossible is, yes I I haven't read them got crikey I'm so ancient that this blimey I'm going to have some sort of trauma now. I think it must be the best part of 40 years since I read those books. So I don't know how I would read them, what I would get now. But there was, there's certainly an awful lot of heartbreak turning into losing three stone and suddenly being pretty again, which... <laughs> oh, my goodness. In Riders, um, and I love Jilly oh, with all amazing. my heart, and I will never stop loving her. But uh, Tori has to poison herself with belladonna and nearly die and be on her yes. deathbed and suddenly she's yep. thin again and jake's like oh, you're beautiful i love you after all and his love revives <laughs> when i'm heartbroken i eat biscuits so i've never ever managed <laughs> that sort of thing but oh yes that's just sort of almost a rites of passage that that of reading 
Jilly Cooper and and being and being kind of inspired that you know there there is a world of excitement and glamour and getting thin and having loads of sex you know when you're <laughs> when you're spotted. Do you think unlike say Jackie Collins, who I also adore, that Jilly does write these heroines who are swept into the glamorous world and these they start I think lots of them are quite normal and they have jobs and they worry about you know being fashion getting spots and they're always they go to parties hoping that the party's going to change their life because they want their life to change um and I think that is why I love them so much because I think those heroines are the first people you could have these sort of you know sex and glamour and adventures and beautiful dresses but they weren't born to that world and they didn't scheme their way in like Becky Sharp Mm. it was just a series of lovely happy hopeful accidents yes even when I after university and I moved to London um it wasn't it was great fun but I never became glamorous and I, I am rubbish at parties and I'm still rubbish at parties. I find them massively intimidating and, <laughs> and really scary. Um, but I quite like reading about it. But in terms of sort of mm. um, romance and um, contemporary fiction, the game changer for me was Katie Ford and reading her books, ah. which um, for me those I just fell in love with the fact that these were normal women and continue to be normal women who um, work in an antique shop or get a job in an organic cafe or whatever the scenario or might be a nurse and they're just they're decent women trying to crack on with life which essentially is what most of us are and then they find love in the end and I, I those for me that was huge discovery in Katie's books you know because I know I will love Katie Ford books I've never for shame actually read any I know she is a Shea Castillon alumnus too but I think they're going to get me through the winter I think that's where I want to be because I love Jill oh, Mansell yes. so much and I think that's it it's sort of there's a, a dollop of glamour yes. and there's always that open door and there's always the pop star who comes to town <laughs> or something fabulous happens and there's something about her world that's just a little bit brighter and shinier than real life but it does also feel very real and it's about people and all of those interstitial interactions and reactions that make up life and it's the people you see every day in the shop or the post office or in the pub and the real the thing I think I feel quite strongly about this as well is that romance as a genre is another one where people can people can be snooty about it in the media or, or wherever and people like Jill and Katie are so so clever because for me of all the genres with romance by the end of chapter two at the latest you know who's going to end up with who but you still want to know how so there's it's not a who yes it's it's how do they do it that's poor choice of words but it is that sort of how clever do you have to be to write a book where by page 20 people have kind know who's going to get together but Mm. you still want to read another 350 400 pages plus to get there now that for me is actually incredibly clever for all the writers who who write those books to keep us gripped when we know it's going to be all right at the end um that's a hugely underrated skill i think i remember at school learning about uh bertold brecht that's a I've said that in a very no, embarrassing, slightly overenthusiastic way. Bertolt Brecht. 
Um, and that was his MO. I think I'm right about this. Don't write in this. <laughs> don't Google. He felt that when making a drama, making people wonder about what was going to happen was hugely distracting and took people out of his intention. And it wasn't the how, it was the why. And everyone was very impressed and everyone thought he was a you know real intellectual power. And this is a very serious minded yes. thing to do. And so to me, it seems outrageous that, as you say, romance novelists do this mm. so brilliantly and so beautifully. And that is such a skill to make you feel that secure and that comfortable but you want to stay with the book and you want to spend time with these characters and I think that they should be getting enormous amount of credit for their Brechtian writing. <laughs> I agree, I agree and even if they don't get credit from, from posh places, the credit comes from millions of people who read the books. Yeah, because that's the other thing isn't it, is that clearly this is what we all want to read. We want to be moved and entertained. We want to have these warm hearts. We want to feel light yeah. and lightness. Well done. I think so. It's, it's everything. Going to be a, I mean, obviously, for so many reasons, it's going to be a grim old winter. And I think there mm. is that, that lovely escapism that you can sit down and know that you're in safe hands. And and I guess that goes for, for all genres if you... It, if it's with an author that you really love, even if you're you're going to be terrified through the book or mm. on the edge of your seat, that confidence that it's the author knows what they're doing is is a glorious thing, isn't it? When you sit there and you just know you are in safe hands and you're not going to get halfway through and go, I don't mm. know what this one's about. I think that's why, you know, Agatha Christie endures because there is so much of her and you know you were going to be guided through and it's just that right kind of if you're really really clever you can guess it she does give you the clues I never can I never do I never guess anything I am always the the one that is baffled and bewildered right to the very end <laughs> and whether it's books or tv or whatever it is I'm I I think I always live in I, I don't know if you do this I live in the moment I am on that page mm. I don't have I don't look forward I just I just sort of plod along with whatever is is happening. Um, have you read The Christie Affair? I loved that. That's um, by... Is that Nina yeah. Gramont? Yes. But that's... Um, I read that last year and that's when Agatha goes missing and what happens. And that's a really clever book for me. It started out as me thinking it was one thing. And just as I thought, hold on, there's an awful lot on this particular thing. And then the book goes in a slightly different direction really clever writing there are so many clever people aren't there crikey i think you are absolutely among them well blimey um, i don't know about that I, but that's very that's very you're pretty brainy yourself blimey how you can make you make well, me you know. laugh and be outraged at the same time <laughs> that is now i'm blowing smoke but yes i mean i hope good outrage yes. i hope you're not sort of going you know oh, no, tutting, not tutting, as, like but someone come goes. on girl come on Fight back. I mean, I was thinking after um, what we were just talking about, like, oh, I, I wish I could write something that felt like pure, pure escapism. But I mean, that's something I've just um, written my third book and that took a lot of edits and that was quite painful and quite tricky. And because that's my third novel and I definitely, I made a lot of mistakes and I'm in the process of trying to work out like, in a nice way, 
what went wrong? Right. Why was this such a miserable year? Oh. How can I make sure that the next time I write, it's not quite as, as dire and terrifying as this? And I kept thinking two things. And the sort of that awful, the bad first draft, which I wrote at people who existed only in my head to prove something. I'll write something under a different name and I'll win the Booker Prize, (laughs) like like it's that easy. Or also thinking I'll write something under a different name that's more of a, just a straightforward classic romance, and I'll sell squillions of copies and everyone will love me instead of being in this, I don't know, whatever this book is that I've decided I don't want to write that I've taken again. And then after a year and four drafts, I thought... I think I just write what I write. I think this is it. I think this is the sort of book I do. And, you know, as you say, I'm very, very lucky to be published and to have any sort of readership at all. And I just need to be grateful and find the grace in that and do what I can and not be like, well, I just, I don't understand. Why am I not Sally Rooney? Why am I not Stephen King? It's not fair. Why aren't I just... Why isn't this easy? I mean, obviously, it's uh, it's the best job in the world and the worst job in the world. I I I find writing really hard. I'm so glad to hear you say. Uh, well, I'm not glad because it sounds like you've had a rotten time. So that's not good at all. But I'm I I completely get it that I started writing this third book that I'm writing. I, I got about forty thousand words into it and realised I was writing the wrong book. And um, it was a completely different story. Um, it was still with Emmy and Bunty in part of the series, but it was far more serious that the, the issues in it were were enormous. And I just realised after a horrible, horrible time that I just couldn't do it justice. And I was writing the wrong book with the wrong characters and it just felt so far out of my capability that it was a horrible feeling, really horrible feeling um I kept trying and then um one Friday afternoon I just thought if I won the lottery and could give my advance back and then write something else what would I write and then that that sort of freed me up where I just thought I spent the whole weekend pacing around in my house like a lunatic talking out loud and came up with a completely different story wrote it up and sent it to my brilliant and long-suffering agent saying would it be all right if I wrote this instead Uh, and I'm really happy and and fingers crossed nervous but but hopeful about it now but it's a hideous old process isn't it and it doesn't always work out oh yeah well I'm you know I'm so sad and sorry because that sounds really painful and really really hard it also sounds as though that had to happen for Mm. this to happen and I mean that's something that you just got to go through it and there are no cheat codes and no hacks and that's what I've kind of one of my one of my (laughs) learnings is yeah I tried to rush it um Elizabeth Gilbert in Big Magic I think she's really good on how all we ever dream of is is getting paid when we dream of writing all we ever hope for is could this be our living and actually when it is and it sounds really really bratty and ungrateful and I don't mean it to but I think that causes problems because yeah that's sort of the freedom of being able to kind of do what you want and the terror of thinking oh well it's got to be 
worth this much and it's got to be like the other books in this way or not like the other books in this way I don't know yeah I think that was you know part of it that's all the the terror terror is always there isn't you know, it that I, and felt. I agree with you yeah. I hope I haven't sounded like a, a brat actually because it is the best job in the world blimey somebody is paying me to write books and I, I just want to write the best one I can and then when you realize mm. that you're not writing the best one you can because you've gone down the wrong the wrong route on it mm. it's all part of the learning I mean it's only my third book and I feel I'm still sort of in an apprenticeship um at the moment and for anyone listening I really hope you'll still want to read my books and not think god she's just learning and we've got to buy them blimey love crack on um but I I do feel it like the newbie in this game oh me too. And I th- I'm really, really glad to hear you say that. And I think, you know, because when I love reading your books, because they do, I think it's kind of proof of what we were talking about earlier with lightness. There is no part of reading and that experience that feels laboured. It feels seamless and delightful. And I believe entirely and wholly in Emmy and Bunty. I don't feel like I am being told the story. Someone is inventing this. Oh, and that's, that's what the dream reading experience should be. I think but knowing how many goes that takes because you know you're one of the authors that I do read and love and because the reading experience just feels just so delightful you don't think and you know readers shouldn't be thinking of someone weeping over their laptop and like crumpling up drafts and but definitely with this third one because it changed so much in the four different versions like endings changed and bits were rewritten and my final manuscript it's just shy of a hundred thousand words I think it comes in about 95 I think I must have written at least 200,000 words yeah. in maybe 250 wow. in the drafting and cutting out and redrafting and yeah it's just thinking that's what I yeah would do what I have to I suppose there's no there's no getting and around it. it out are you are you already talking about it am I allowed to know it's uh it's June and I think I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about it yet, but I have promised your book listeners they will be the Brilliant. first to know. Good. I, I'm going to keep coming back until, until I know. Not back on. Don't worry, everyone. Um, I hope people are still listening. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, kind of, I want you to come back every week. <laughs> um, although, heartbreakingly, I could talk to you about books, I think, for the rest of the day and the rest of the week. But I really want to read number three. And I really want to meet this amazing villain woman. And I'm keeping you from this. So I should let you get on. But before we do go, I'd love to hear about anything that's on your pile, any books that you're excited about reading that you have got coming up. Yes. Well, firstly, thank you so, thank you so much for having me on. I hope this has has been all right. And I don't feel I've actually mentioned many books. Um, But thank you, Daisy. There have been loads. Don't worry. It's been lovely. Um, And the, the book I'm reading at the moment is is Catherine Newman's We All Want Impossible Things, which um, I I was lucky enough to get sent a a proof. And it's absolutely beautiful. I think it's coming out in hardback in January and I think is on ebook in in during November. And it's about two friends, two women. One is in a hospice and it's written by her best friend. And now that sounds obviously very sad. There are parts that are very sad, but it is the most beautiful, real, funny, hilarious, messy friendship ever. It's so real. And it's uh, uh, my best friend read it on NetGalley and and said, you have to read this. 
um, and it is for anyone who has a best friend. It's it's absolutely fantastic. I I hope it it does really really well because it's a wonderful book. We all want impossible things by Catherine Newman. It's it's superb. Oh, I love mm. the sound of that. That sounds gorgeous. Do you have any books that you always reread in the winter or at Christmas? Do you know my comfort book? is a, ch- a children's book and it's quite new and it's um barbara throws a wobbler <laughs> oh by um nadia yes. shireen former guest i love oh, she's everything she writes i mean barbara throws a wobbler i know we're going over on this but is i think for three-year-olds but it's it's brilliant for any age a picture book about what happens when you're in a terrible mood and it's so funny and now i love that nadia is writing slightly older children's books the Grimwood books about the two naughty foxes um who run away they are I know I'm a grown-up but she is just the funniest funniest writer there is and and so I go back and I I have several of her picture books and I will look at those and they just make me laugh and remind me that life is brilliant sometimes even when you think it isn't you just read it and they bring joy and light I think she's she should be the children's laureate, I think. Have I even said laureate? Laureate. What a gorgeous note to end on and so necessary. Life is sometimes brilliant and life is brilliant after an hour talking to oh. AJ Pierce about books. I've had the most fun. Thank you so much. I've had an absolute Thank blast. Thank you. Hugely. Huge thanks to AJ. Yours Cheerfully is now out in paperback and it is so cheerful. It's an absolute tonic, exactly what we all need right now. And do look out for the announcement about the brand new Emmy Lake book and sign up to AJ's hugely cheering newsletter at ajpierce.com. You can follow us at YBooked on social media. Look out for book recommendations, words of wisdom from old guests and occasional shelfies. We love it when you share the podcast with your friends. And thank you so much to everyone who's left a five star review. If you've been listening for a while and you've not left us one yet, please do. It helps other people to discover us and their new favourite book. Your book is produced by Dale Shaw for New Alaska and hosted by Acast. You can find a list of all the books mentioned by AJ at acast.com forward slash booked and check out her selection in our bookshop on bookshop.org. Don't forget to follow further reading on Substack for more information about AJ and her books as well as lots of lit chat. We'll be back in your ears soon with a Christmas special and hopefully we're going to have a truly iconic guest. I'm very excited. But now I leave you with this from Nora Ephron. The moment you stop work on a script seems to be determined not by whether you think the draft is good, but simply whether by shooting is about to begin. If it is, you get to call your script a final draft. If it's not, you can always write another revision. This might seem to be a hateful way to live, but the odd thing is that it's somehow comforting. As long as you're revising, the project isn't dead. See you next time. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 